0: you have to stop and shift the way that you're thinking to understand that looking at the future longer than three months or 90 days or or three years is so that you can start making better decisions today where you invest your time, your energy, and your money. Technology is transforming how we
1: think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Quo. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. I'm very excited about our episode today because we are welcoming back one of the people that kicked off our 2020 series. We talked with Jared Nichols in January about creating the future. So we're going to talk with Jared again today, being that we're here closing in on the end of the first quarter. We want to talk about where do we go from here? How do we assess the progress that we've made? What adjustments do we need to make? But before we get into that, I do want to spend a minute and just introduce Jared. Jared is the founder and the creator of the Foresight Academy. It's a groundbreaking program that teaches leaders and teams the same skills that innovators, industry disruptors, and change makers have used to guide and shape the future they wanted to see. He loves to describe it as changing the way you think about the future, not predicting the future. The other thing, Jared, that I really want to get into maybe, uh, maybe later on is I also noticed on LinkedIn that you're a musician and composer. Uh, And I want to know how that might fit in with your work, but we'll get to that later. But welcome back to the show, Jared.
0: Thanks, Jeff. It's, uh, It's great to be back here with you. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. To our audience, you kind of missed the pre-conversation. We've already been chatting for for about 15, 20 minutes now, um, just catching up on things. So all good, yeah, very good stuff. So Jared, when we had you on the episode in January, you talked to us a lot about how do you look at the future and how do you uh, help leaders apply that? So can you kind of start with a recap of the things that we covered in that first episode?
0: Yeah, and uh, so it, it, I always run the the possibility that it may have a different take on something since the last time we talked. But uh, well, we're always I, learning, right? Always learning, you know, or I'm just making it up on the fly. <laughs> 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 no, the, the idea, <laughs> the idea is really uh, when it comes to the future, there's two. I like to to look at these in two separate categories, and I know it's it's usually more than that. It's it's an and both. You know, we could get philosophical about it, but for the sake of simplicity, when it comes to our our relationship with the future, fo- some folks fall into one camp, which is, well, the future can't be known. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm not even going to really spend that much time thinking about it or trying to plan for it. And then the other side is, well, uh, the future can be known to some degree, but, but it's people that have a special, specialized training or I need to look to the experts, the analysts, mm-hmm. find out what they're saying about the, pu- the future so that I can actually plan for it. And there's, there's value in that to a certain extent, but in both categories, in both situations, what's happening for the person who is trying to make decisions today about their future is that they're relying on somebody else's idea without yeah. taking the time to question it. Now this isn't this isn't an exercise in being oppositional for the sake of being oppositional. This is we're we're talking about the future, and we make the assumptions that either one it just can't be uh, known at all, so don't spend your time with it, or two somebody else has it figured out, so I'll go with what they say, right? Yeah, I'll go with what they say, and I'll make all of my decisions around that. And if it doesn't work out. Well, you know, it doesn't work out. Which most and I can others. blame the weatherman because he was wrong again. Absolutely, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so really, the, the goal, uh, you know, what we talked about last time was that people need to shift the way that they relate to the future by focusing more on how to think about it rather than relying on what somebody else has told them to think about it. Predictions about the future are notoriously wrong. It's, right. you, you can read a long list of predictions that have been completely off, but people made their decisions and judgments around them. That doesn't, again, it doesn't mean to ignore it. It just means to take it for what it is, understand that it has a certain agenda. There's biases, there's things that are in there, but then to, to take the time and say, well, this is what they're saying, but what else might be possible? What questions am I not asking? And that is nobody else asking that, that could really, uh, change the game. That could reveal an area where there's either a new opportunity that you're anticipating before everybody else or where there's a real significant disruptor that could come out of this if uh, if the future starts to go in that direction that nobody's talking about. So, you know, it's really it's about giving people permission to to challenge these uh, these long set ideas and uh, predictions about the future.
1: I love that permission to challenge because a lot of folks are, are that way, right they're they're waiting for the future to happen to them yeah. uh, rather than challenging what uh, people are saying about the future. That's the right. other thing we talked about were your three C's and and we don't need to go into real depth on those, but I think it would help our listeners to uh, to get a recap of those three C's as well.
0: Yeah, you're talking about cool, confident, and courageous. Uh
1: yes, yes. With the with the B thrown in for beard. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So yeah, you know, the, the three C's. And so if you haven't heard the first episode, they're not cool, confident, and courageous. Although we may have something here, Jeff, that we can Yeah, I think about. so. Yeah, yeah. Right. So so this idea is really around you know, what does it take in order for somebody to uh to create the future? Now I know that's it's something that people like to talk about a lot, put up on a poster. It's inspiring. Let's create the future. And then nothing really mm-hmm. happens. Right. And what I found is that the reason why that doesn't happen is not because people don't want it to happen. It's they don't know that they can actually make it happen. And so in my work, you know, my, my goal in uh, teaching people how to do this is to make it as accessible as possible. Because let's face it, we talked about this in the first episode, but I'll repeat it here, is that strategic foresight was born out of... Uh, the intelligence community after World War II. It was designed to make sure that, uh, or it was intended to make sure that um, the U.S. was never behind, technologically speaking, to any other foreign power ever again. After they discovered how far behind technologically they were to the Nazi war machine, they were amazed that they won the war, right? I mean, (laughs) wow, if uh, things would have gone a little bit differently, this could have been a completely different future. So the... uh, the incentive was there to stay way out ahead of competition, which has driven our military industrial complex, it's driven our foreign policy, it's driven so much more than a lot of people realize. So this way of thinking requires you to understand a few things. It's, number one, it's typically been left to intelligence agencies or think tanks or you know, folks that have been trained for this specifically, and it's not very accessible to, uh, to everyone else. So my goal in this was to make this accessible in a way that people could understand, but most importantly, feel that they could take action. And that's where the idea of the three C's came about. And it was in order to create the future, you must first be conscious. Then you must be creative or excuse me, curious and then creative. So conscious, curious, and creative. And, uh, you know, the, the simple breakdown for that is being conscious is really just being aware. You've expanded your awareness about the driving forces. Both internally and externally, that are guiding and shaping the future today. The ones that we think about externally are, you know, big data, artificial intelligence, uh, climate change. You know, the things that we talk about as being mm-hmm. the real drivers of change for the future. But the more important drivers that influence our decisions are those that are internal, and these are the stories and the narratives, the beliefs, the ideas that we have that really define. Uh, the actions that we take today. And most of us aren't aware of those. And this, this seems very unfuturistic because most people like to talk about the future. They want to talk about technology. Well, that's fun, but it has very little application right now. So if we're really thinking about people getting involved in creating the future, they have to first understand why they believe what they believe and where it needs to be challenged. So that's the first part. It goes into a whole lot more, but I'm not going to you know, belabor it in this short amount of time here. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Curious is just asking those questions. Like what we talked about, recognizing that, uh, you know, there are expert opinions. There are analysts, there are ideas about how the future is going to unfold. And rather than stopping there, you look at that and use it as a foundation to jump from and say, well, well, what else might be possible, right? Like what, if this is possible, what are the things that they're not looking at? You know, what, where are the opportunities that, that, uh, are not so obvious right now. Now, that's really what being curious is, is challenging those ideas looking for implications of trends, issues, drivers that we see today, looking at how they might impact various parts of society that are uh, outside of the realm, if you will, or outside of the industry, say, for example, technology, uh, looking at how a new technology that was maybe intended for one industry, how it might have implications to other industries that it's not even been introduced to yet. You know, the example we used, I think last time is one that is really easy because everybody recognizes it, but it's Facebook, you know, created in 2003 for Ivy league college kids to, you know, the whole who's hot, who's not, you know, really nothing groundbreaking (laughs) except it was a digital, digital Facebook. And less than 10 years later, after its inception, it was the number one tool used to overthrow a 30 plus year dictatorship in the middle East. So if you want to see where, and how a technology or system might create the future or create the context for the future, you have to ask questions that others aren't asking. You have to ask how it might impact various parts of society uh, that are outside of the industry it was created in and the audience it was created for. And then that brings you to creative. And that's really where you just, uh, you start working within the context of possible futures and you uh, start using that to ask those questions of how do the people I serve fare in this future? How does our organization fare in this future? Where are those opportunities? Where are those disruptions? And not just stopping there so you can make a static plan, but instead using what you've uncovered to tell a story, which is ultimately a vision. And the visions that move people to actions are powerful stories, right? So that's what the creative part of this is, is that, if I can create a story for you of what the future might look like, one that you can see how it connects to where we are today, not just, oh, I pulled this out of some science fiction book and threw it at you, but you see this line of progression that, oh, that is possible. But then I'm able to present this picture to you and make it accessible to you. Well, then you have the opportunity to participate in how that future will unfold. And that's really the value of strategic foresight. More people are doing this. I honestly believe that you know, the better off uh, our future will be. So those are the three C's.
1: So I think the last time we left our audience, and I'm going to paraphrase the the call to action, I think you encouraged them to think about these three C's and start to think about the future differently, uh, really embracing the fact that you can create the future. So here we are, we're almost three months later, Help us take a look back. Um, I I know you work with leaders across the country, and I'm sure you teach these concepts, and then sometime in the future, you get back with them, and some of them may be stuck. Some of them may be having uh, questions about, are they approaching it right? So what are some of the things that you've run into with people that perhaps our listeners are experiencing as well, three months into this new mindset?
0: Yeah. Well, the reality is this, Jeff, is that um, strategic foresight and thinking long term and going through this process is very foreign to the business community. Mm -hmm. Not all businesses. I mean, there are some who have done this and they're dominating the world essentially, right? Like Amazon is a perfect example of this. But the reason I I point this out, I recently had this discussion we were looking at, because people always would say, what are some good business cases that demonstrate this? The truth is there's not a lot. Mm-hmm. That, that is the sad truth because this was born in the intelligence communities and uh, you know, for foreign policy and uh, you know, for public policy where you were incentivized to think long term and then start taking action today. Well, in the business world, no matter if you're publicly traded or not, we're still incentivized for 90-day increments. Right. So the one thing that I've, I've come to realize and that, that I, I always want people to understand on the front is that this takes real work. It's not unnecessarily – complicated and you know there's not unnecessary steps that you have to go through, but it takes real work. And that means that you have to stop and shift the way that you're thinking to understand that looking at the future longer than three months or 90 days or you know, or three years, doing that is so that you can start making better decisions today where you invest your time, your energy, and your money. So I always want to put that on the front end and not, you know, confuse anybody that Oh yeah. You know, you can just roll this right into what you're doing and not change the behavior the way you think, because that's just not the case. So what, what I find though, is, uh, to answer your question where people get stuck, um, maybe where I can, maybe a better way to answer that if it's okay with you is to say where I've seen people really excel. And okay. I like that
1: positive rather than negative. Yeah. You like that? You like that? Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good.
0: So, you know, what I was going to say is that, uh, the place that I find most people really excel, or where you see some real shifts and changes, is in that first area around being conscious, being aware. Uh, you know, like students that I've had um, at UT, and my students, by the way, are graduate and executive education students. So these are people that are either presidents of companies or they're executives in large organizations, and they're you know being groomed to run the whole place. And you know, so you find some real, uh, real breakthroughs with these folks because they're they're asked to challenge their ideas and stories that they have used to make decisions and um, how they have related to this idea of disruption in the future and how they view strategy and all these things that were neatly packaged and wrapped up for them. Now they're having to unwind that. And so you see that for for many of them, it becomes very freeing, right? It's not this, Hey, guess what? You were wrong. And this is how you should think it's no look uh, when you free yourself from these narratives and these ideas, it's not to free you up from one and captivate you into another. It's to free you up from one and then free you up from all of them, realizing you will never have all the answers. You'll never have it all figured out. And that is a serious, serious advantage. So I see people accelerate when they start to free themselves from these old ideas that are limiting uh, their ability to take risk, to challenge status quo, to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to try something different that might really change the game. And then all of a sudden disruption and change becomes a welcomed, and I'll use that lightly, nobody likes to be disrupted, <laughs> but you look at it through opportunity, right? You look at it in real opportunity, like, oh man, everybody else is hunkering down. Now's the time to jump out of the trench and go, you know, go scavenge, go find these opportunities that are out there. So that I would say, if if anybody does anything, it's, it's really start challenging your old ideas and beliefs uh, about why you believe certain things, why you... Uh, uh, make certain types of decisions, but once you get past that and you start to get into really creating the future or identifying opportunities, another place that people really excel is through this process we call scanning. Now, this this is—is uh, is it okay to get into some technical stuff here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, so scanning is one uh, I found consistently with the people I work with. I used to think, man, they'll just breeze through this. This is a no-brainer. But then I remember when I was first learning this. This was one of the most exciting parts, and that is where you uh, you start formulating critical questions or questions of inquiry, as I like to like to put it. Really broad based questions like how might artificial intelligence impact the future of higher education? Right. Just take a couple of random things, put them yeah. there, and then you start to research and you start to go in, and the scanning takes you down this rabbit hole uh, that leads to more questions and more questions, and you start to see new connections to other things that you had never even thought about before. And one consistent thing I've, saw, I've seen over and over again with folks is that when they start scanning around a certain driver of change and how it might impact their industry, the first thing they discover is how little they knew about what was going on in their industry. And, <laughs> and they'll be the ones to tell you this. Because yeah. Yeah. we go heads down, right? Yeah. Heads down, I'm just going to get done what I need to get done today. And they start to scan. They go, whoa, I had no idea that people were even talking about this. And, uh, and here it is right in front of my face, but the scanning allows them, uh, to connect dots. And this is the exciting part. They're asking a question. They go looking for the answer to that question. It creates more questions, which ultimately makes them more curious. And it is expanding their thinking and awareness of what is actually happening, uh, in the world around them. I mean, if, if the the at the base level disruption happens because you had your face in the sand. Right. 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 But if you don't have your face in the sand anymore and you're looking around and you can see things and start to think about them differently, well, that gives you a massive advantage. If you just stopped there, you're better off than most people that are out there today. You don't even have to get into scenario building and all that other kind of stuff. If you just stopped and you learned how to scan and do it right, and then set up indicators that, uh, you know, certain types of futures might be unfolding I mean, there's all kinds of simple tools you can build right in Google to do this. You have got a much greater advantage when it comes to making informed decisions for the future than most people do. Is it is it as simple as looking at your your LinkedIn
1: feed or your Twitter feed and... Chasing the links that, hey, I'm reading this article and it links to this other article or refers to this article. So I'm going to go read that one. Then I'm going to go read the next one. Nope. Uh, and they're all related to my industry. Is that kind nope. of how you get started doing nope. that?
0: Nope. No, that's the worst nope. Nope. one you can okay. do definitely the word. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like, you know, cause all of those are built, you know, as a content creator, I can tell you if I put some, if I link something in an article I've written, it's going to be linked back to another article I've written. So I can suck you into my vortex, you know, keep you locked <laughs> in. The, so don't do that. You know? I mean, okay. So how do I do it? How do I start? Yeah. So, you know, the, the first place to start is, um, you know, and I'm just thinking about this now, Jeff, I should. I will send this to you and you can uh, you know, post this in the show notes if you want. But I have a five-step process for scanning. We use this in the Foresight Academy. Oh, cool. But the first thing really, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just summarize here for the sake of, for, because I don't know what my five steps are. No. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to summarize here for the sake of this. But you know, the first thing is to really identify a trend or an issue like we've talked about before, or a driver that you're really interested in, a concern you might have. And you just formulate a question out of that. So the first thing is to really ask a question, you know, how might artificial intelligence impact the future of, I'll just say higher education, right? Yeah, higher education. Yeah, yeah. I'll enter that into Google and I will set certain parameters in Google. Like, uh, you know, you can go in for the search tools and I'll set it to either six months or, tw- you know, don't look any further back than six or 12 yeah, months. This yeah, is typically yeah. my my rule for that. Yeah. Because things change so quickly, twelve months at the most, unless it's an academic research paper that has some longevity. But most times, it's six to twelve months. Enter that into that. Uh, you can even filter that down to certain types of articles and papers and whatnot. The next thing is to see what comes up in that feed, and you start looking. And you know, the first thing you have to, you know, you'll you'll immediately start finding articles that are addressing that issue open up one of those and you have to understand credibility. Like is, is the publication you're looking at credible? There's a lot of them out there that are just junk and they're pretty easy to spot as junk, but you'll find some that are credible, you know, and that doesn't take you long to really figure that part out and just start reading about what they're saying, right? So somebody, somebody is answering that question. This goes right. back to the, what are the experts saying? What are the analysts saying? That's why I say don't discredit it. You're going to need it, you know, so that you know where to go next. So they're going to be saying a certain thing in this article that yes, it's going to be biased, yes, it's going to have an agenda, who cares? That's part of being human. What you're looking for is uh, other signs or clues about what's being said right now. What you will almost always find is that when you ask a question like, uh, how might artificial intelligence impact the future of higher education, they're going to answer more questions in there that you didn't even ask, they're going to create more questions for you, right? So you may start looking at... um, maybe a very specific part of higher education that could be impacted. So if you work in higher education, and again, we're just using this as an example. Right. You can look at a very specific part of higher education. Maybe it's in uh, vocational uh, studies. Maybe it's in graduate and executive education. Maybe it's in uh, the arts. You know, you just can start getting much more specific and you will find that there's clues and things that uh, that started with the big overarching question of AI that really present a picture of how automation or artificial intelligence could completely change one part of this industry that nobody is talking about uh, because it's not right in front of our faces yet. So that, I mean, that's, you know, and this is yeah, kind of yeah. vague like if we were sitting down and we were doing this on a screen. We would just do this right here. Right. Um, right. But I mean, so that's, that's really where you start. You just start by asking a big question and then you start narrowing that question down and it does feel like a rabbit hole. But, but it's intentional.
1: Know. It's an intentional. Oh, it's right very right.
0: intentional. Yeah. Yeah. You're going where you want to go, not where, say, for me as a content creator wants you to go. Right. Right. So you're right. you're taking control of, of the direction. So what I've learned today is I've been doing it
1: all wrong. No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but this is a, but this is a great uh, this is a great piece of advice for our listeners to start with, especially if they heard the first episode and uh, they got started, and maybe they need some direction of where to go from here. Uh, I love that about starting with a, a question and really just drilling down into it based on Google search and refine the question, make it more specific, and and you start to learn more. One final question, and then we probably have to wrap up here, is uh, do you find that you also look across industries to find uh, some of these ideas or some of the the context? So the example you were using was uh, AI's impact on higher ed. Um, yeah. Maybe you look at AI's impact on agriculture, just making it up, and you find a connection that helps you solve a problem you may be facing in higher ed. Do you do you find that happens?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The industry, you know, uh, the uh, that it really becomes irrelevant because real disruption opportunity. Is going to be outside of the industry right if it's if it's if everybody's talking about it inside of the industry plain and simple then you know everybody's paying attention to it right so i'm glad you brought that up That's a great that's a great example i mean you're gonna find and actually what i'm doing right now jeff is i'm looking for this um because i want this to be uh you know just really spot on with I mean, as, as i'll be reading my own five steps but you know because <laughs> there's always one or two things that i think about oh yeah well this is actually important too I really got to thank the guy that wrote these and put my name on. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, but No, you, you will always find those opportunities outside of the industry. That's where you have to look. You know, I think we, we might have covered this in our last conversation, but 3D printing. I asked a group of folks this. Uh, I said, you know, when do you all think 3D printing uh, came about? Like everybody was familiar with it in the room. And one lady yeah. said five years ago. Another lady said, uh, you know, uh, like in the early 2000s. One lady said 1970, you know, it's kind of all over the place. Right. Well, the one that said 1970 was probably the closest because uh, 3D printing came about in 1984. Yeah, yeah. You would not have known about it unless you were in the industry. You know, you were an architect, manufacturer. It's used for prototyping. Yeah. But if you had seen it and you'd say, well, that's really interesting. This is being used for. You looked at its fundamental principles of what it could do, and then you asked the question, well, what else might it do? Like, how might 3D printing uh, impact... You know, uh, food production. You could have asked that question, but you first have to ask the question. Right? How might this right. technology here impact the way we relate to each other as family? Most people are never going to ask that question because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. But when you, if you're serious about trying to uncover where opportunity and disruption might be in the future, how it might unfold, those are the exact kind of questions you have to ask. Right? Yeah. We talk about artificial intelligence. We talk about big data. Talk about gene editing. I mean, to ask the question, how might uh, human genetic modification impact the future of transportation? Most people think that is a dumb question. No, it's not. Yeah. It's actually a question that could reveal a whole lot that you've never thought about and open that door for new opportunities. You know, at the very least, you're exploring things you've never explored before. And right. it is exciting. Well, right? and it gives you insights
1: into other areas. And maybe that specific thing doesn't Apply to your business or your challenge, but opening your mind up to those other possibilities perhaps starts freeing you up to think about things in a different way.
0: Yeah, it is. It's true. And you know, here's the thing too, Jeff. It's also important is anytime you have a question, right? I think we did this exercise last time, uh, but you know, if it's AI, if it's big data, if whatever it is, yep. The first thing to also do is to say, wh- how would I answer this question before I research it. And and so I want to jump back here because I think this is important. You have to understand that if you have an interest in a certain trend, driver, issue, whatever, you already have a baseline understanding of what it is. And you also Mm -hmm. have a baseline understanding of what your industry thinks it is, either because you've taken it in through intentional reading or through osmosis, whatever it might be. So you already kind of know what the baseline answer is. Right. And then when you're scanning, one way to keep you on track is to say, well, I'm looking for information that either confirms, contradicts, or creates a new answer altogether. And so if you can keep it in those three realms right there, then you're like, all right, well, I'm not just answering this question and then, you know, seeing what other questions come up, but I'm 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 running against this criteria. Does this confirm the baseline assumption? Does it contradict the baseline assumption? Or yeah. have I stumbled upon something that creates an entirely new assumption altogether? And that is what really helps you to get clear on Hey, what's, what's going on out there and what should I be looking for?
1: So Jared, you know, from being on the podcast that I love to wrap with uh, the question of what should our listeners do differently tomorrow? I'm going to put a little twist on that. And I'm going to propose a call to action for our listeners based on what I've heard you say. Today. And you can challenge me on that, or you can say, Oh, yeah, Jeff, that was brilliant. So, yeah, those are the only two options. And since it was your thought, you better go with the brilliant part. Right, of, of course. So, my challenge to our listeners out there tomorrow who may be stuck, not sure of which way to go, they want to change the way they're thinking, is to ask a question. Go to Google and pose a question to Google that perhaps you've been wrestling with, thinking about. And my challenge to you is to go beyond page one. Go deeper into that and see what threads you can begin to pull on. And and I think that begins to open your mind to the possibilities. It helps you open your thinking to other industries different than your own that perhaps you can bring those lessons in. So yeah. how would
0: I do, Jared? You did great. You did great. The one thing I would add to that is go to the search tools though, and uh, yes, limit your results to no no further than twelve months. Yeah, just unless you're unless
1: from- you're doing a historical study instead. So right, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great exercise. Just get that. Yeah. You know, put that challenge out there, and you know, real simply, pick a driver. How yeah. might this driver impact the future of this industry, or you know, whatever it is you're looking at? Start.
1: And I'm going to take that challenge a, a step further to our listeners and say, we'd love to hear from you in the comment sections, either in LinkedIn or wherever you're you're grabbing this podcast from. Tell us what question you asked uh, and where it led you. We'd love to hear that story of how you unpacked that. Jared, once again, man, I love chatting with you. I'd learn something each and every time we talk, and I really appreciate your time to jump on another podcast with us. My guess is we'll have you back again, should you be interested in doing that, but thank you so very much for joining us again.
0: Oh man, Jeff, my pleasure. I always enjoy this. Thanks for having me on. To
1: our listeners, please accept that challenge. And if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com The show notes will provide links and contact information, and we'll try to link in that five-step process that Jared referenced. This is Jeff Tunn for Jared Nichols. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.